Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family, amazing souls, beautiful spirits. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing fantastic. I'm sending you all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, positive, intense energy your way, wishing you, your family, your friends, all of the best. We've got an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have my friend on, Ed Harold, and we are talking about the science of breath, peak performance, and human optimization. I've been blessed to be on several panels on peak performance with Ed, and he really knows his stuff. He is an author, an inspirational leader, a coach, and educator. We go into a lot of different um, topics in this episode. We talk about the power of breath, uh, body over mind versus mind over body, uh, keeping your energy, harnessing the energy of the mind. We talk about understanding angles and perspectives, the neuroscience of failure, the lower brain addressing fear in your mind. Uh, man, I'm just going over the show notes here and I'm realizing how many notes I took. So you know it's a great episode. We talk about the four pillars of health, quality of life, the mechanics of breath, uh, the vagus nerve, and he gives us um, a demonstration of breath work and how to consciously program the mind. So this is action-packed. There's so many practical tools in this episode. If you want to view it live, go over to Odyssey, uh, Matt Belair show over there. They recently gave me back my YouTube, but then immediately gave me a strike. So uh, that's odd. Um, they deleted Patreon. So if you want to support the show, please go to mattbelair.com, click the community, and then you can become a member of the community by donation. Uh, contribute whatever you want. Just let me know. Let me know what you can contribute. There's a few options over there. It's a great way to support the show. And if you need free access, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com, and I will happily get you free access but if you want to support the show please share it as far and as wide as you can share all episodes make a blog do whatever you can to get the word out because censorship is completely completely bonkers um leave a review on itunes um yeah and that's it i'd also like to thank uh, this week's sponsor the show does have a sponsor now which is super exciting it is the good inside and if you go to the goodinside.com forward slash matt B M A T T B. You'll get a $50 coupon on their pure body extra zeolite. This is a heavy metal detox. And more and more as I've been diving into the health, it is just clear that heavy metals are an absolutely everything. And the zeolite is a very powerful protocol for detoxing the body of heavy metals. I also recommend a little bit of apple cider vinegar, but if you're doing the zeolite and apple cider vinegar, it is such a strong and potent way to rid the body of these heavy metals it can help with long-term um, illness and serious illness like the c-word uh, it can help with uh, brain frog it can help with energy levels and all kinds of things and, and there's been multiple podcasts where i've talked to people where you know a lot of what they're doing is helping people get rid of heavy metals so if you want to check them out support the show get a bottle go to the goodinside.com forward slash matt b and for those of you guys who are really interested in making a difference in the world you want to find some clarity you want to find some empowerment you want to find some community Unity and direction, you're looking for a vocation, you want to figure out how to navigate these times with purpose and power, hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, fill out the form and uh, we can either work one-on-one -on -one or we can go into the group in the Atomic Alchemy group. You could even join a client call as my guest. And if you also want to dive in on your own, you can check out the Soul Compass course and the Quantum Heart Hypnosis. So there are a ton of resources for you. So that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence. And remember, the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. So wherever you are, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
and fill every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, compassion, courage, faith, clarity, empowerment, and get ready to enjoy this absolutely phenomenal episode with Ed Harold. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming mass censorship. If you'd like to support this show, you can become a member at mattbelair.com, become a patron, share episodes, and leave a review, and do your best to spread the word. But the best way to support this program is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an author, inspirational leader, public speaker, coach, and educator. His mastery in the science of mindful breathing has guided him to apply conscious breathing practices in corporate health and performance coaching, fitness and athletic training, stress reduction, and overall health and well-being. He is the author of Life with Breath, IQ plus EQ, New You and Mind Body Business, The Business of Being You, or Being Within. He blends fields of neuroscience and the wisdom of contemplative traditions into effective strategies to improve health, well-being, and performance. Welcome to the show, Ed Harold. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you and your amazing community of seekers. Oh man, I'm so I'm so excited to have you here. We've been on a couple panels together with uh, you know Rethink Fit and that whole crew of just really amazing uh, people and coaches and inspirational leaders. And every time I hear you speak, uh, you really have knowledge and integration. And before we dove in, you kind of spoke on that a little bit about you know the book smarts versus the experiential. And you're you're definitely a wealth of knowledge um, as far as you know the science goes. But you also put it to the test, which I think is very important today when we are seeking well-being and performance and we're looking at all these tools to improve our lives we have to put um you know those methods to the test and i think you're a great example of that well said i I really appreciate you know all that you stand for you know the integrity the character the growth process and hanging in there and striving for perfection in the eye of adversity you know you're one of those heroes that are out there taking the arrows for all of us so bravo my friend well, I appreciate that. Well, you know, why don't you share the uh, with the audience a little bit about your background? How did you get into what you were doing today? Some of the coaching experiences that's led you to, you know, this level of mastery. But what I love is you always have that that practical uh, takeaway. You know what I mean? You, you're looking at the science, you integrate it, and then you figure out the best techniques and how we can apply it. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey in this process. When I was a young kid, I, I grew up uh, in southern New Jersey in the United States, I was a beach boy. I was on, in the ocean every day, and I really enjoyed being in the water, whether it be swimming, rowing, surfing, just the waves and, and how the water was so massive, yet there was one wave in front of you where you could merge with the energy of that wave, and you could co-create with nature exactly what you wanted. So I, at a young age, I was immersed in, in the ocean and the education that, that, that the oceans can reconnect us with as human beings, that the dolphin energy, the whale energy, all that, that ancient earth energy. And as I grew up in life, you know, I was a rambunctious young guy. You know, I really struggled with no. I wanted to know, like, why I couldn't do something. And I, I was always pushing up against 
fear and uh, insecurity and, and trying to make things better for myself and everyone around me. And I found that that was much more of a feeling experience than a thinking experience. In other words, how I felt about something in my body would reflect the level of mental interest or, 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 or no interest. So I carried that into, I was a half decent athlete. I was a professional athlete for a little bit of time. And anytime you put that much pressure on your body, it begins to break down over the rigors of training and racing. And uh, eventually I was just a broken athlete and I was in my mid thirties and I was taking on some behaviors and structures that were really debilitating to my soul and my spirit and my heart. And about the age of 35, I became involved in the Eastern arts and the Eastern philosophies. And I, I, I looked to yoga and, and Tai Chi and yogic breathing and meditation and stillness to kind of counterbalance all of that Western training, which was basically how much do I do it? How hard do I do it? And how long do I do it? And then once I was able to begin to relax my mind and see that the fears that I was holding uh, were camouflaging great strengths that uh, I was able to really see that everything was okay. And I had this kind of second chance of my life where I was blending the Eastern arts with the Western arts and kind of combining those two because I could, you know, there's no reason why I can't take my yoga mat to my workstation. There's no reason why I can't take my yoga mat out into my Western exercise. Cause to me, it's all about communication and keeping communication flowing and not getting stuck in those lower levels of self-sabotage or insecurities or negativity. So keeping the angles of communication open. And I found the easiest way to do this was pranayama, which is the ancient art of controlling our breathing. The fundamental process of inhale, life coming in, there's a pause, your mind stops before you exhale, and then you exhale the inner world back out into the outer world. And then there's a pause before you inhale again. And I was completely intrigued by this most simplistic form of sustenance for the cells of my body and my mind. And I began to find out that there's thousands of different ways that we can breathe in the human body. And it opens up our mind. And I became involved in a lot of research, the science, the structure of you know, what's taking place between the inhale, after the exhale, all the difference of breathing slow, breathing fast. What I began to find is that we, we do our best when we breathe through our nose. We're human beings. We're, it's an endurance event life. And we want to breathe through our nose. So we activate the endurance mind, the endurance body. I began to notice that as I began to control my breathing, I was nicer to myself. I began to let things slide outside of me that used to trigger me. And I used that science and I wedged it into all sorts of different human platforms. Any platform where you could see a human activated or a human alive was a place that we could add breath control so that they could become more efficient. And it was almost like a rapid response where we could reboot ourselves almost on the fly and get back into our heart space, get back into what our spirit wants us to do, get back onto our soul's blueprint of the bigger picture of not getting bogged down in details. So since the I'm in my 60s now, so for the like the last 30 years or so, I've been really showing folks that there's a simplicity to being human 
And when we can simplify things, whether you're a man or a woman, there's a certain sense of confidence that comes to our ability to interact with what we want to create for ourselves, for our family, for our coworkers in our life. Ed, I love all that. I was just waiting for you to go. I was waiting for you to go all day. Um, I think the integration of the Western and Eastern is is such a critical thing. You know, when we can do that, we're really moving towards peak performance. And the one thing with breath, there are many benefits, but one of them is just teaching you to come back to the present moment. And it's the one thing that happens unconsciously. So when you go to sleep, your body is going to make sure that you breathe. You don't die, but you can actually affect that process. And when you do that, you're really integrating into the intelligence of the body. And uh, one of the concepts I heard before I really liked was saying, you know, what we're trying to do is awaken the intelligence of the body, not so much the mind. And I was always thinking about the mind and the soul, which I like. But the example I gave was like, if you're in the middle of, some sort of environment and then a tiger breaks out all of a sudden your body's going to jump over tables it's going to do a bit of parkour it's going to you know climb up this pole and you're going to be hanging by one hand and no conscious process would do that the body would kind of take care of it you know and i was like okay that's an interesting thought and so the more you're connecting the mind the body and the breath with what's happening internally you can direct that but also what came up for me when i was listening was so much wasted energy we can, you know, if we want to go and do a sport or we want to have energy for our kids or we want to have energy for our business to think creatively, to do some construction, that's all energy. And if we're going about our day, we're at, we're at the whims of our emotions from traffic and people pissing us off and all these things, these challenges, this adversity of becoming afraid and an adrenaline dump, right? Even micro fears will give you this adrenaline dump. So you'll, it'll suck the energy from you. So that breath mastery helps you maintain an equilibrium. So that way you can direct that force. You can direct your spirit with integrity and focus, not being pulled by these kind of fishing hooks of our external reality. Yeah, that's so well said. And I really appreciate that. You know, for many, many years, I've been saying in training athletes and, and corporate people, that when we're really in the zone, when we're really in that flow state, it's body over mind. It's not mind over body and willpower. It's, it's almost as if you go in deeper inside yourself. You unearth this great energy source. You bring it, it swims to the surface. And all of a sudden, all the insecurity, the what ifs, the shoulds, the coulds, the fears, all of a sudden, they seem to wither on the vine and disappear. And something greater than yourself is helping you achieve this goal moment by moment by moment. So one of the great gifts we have of the body is that the body's always in the present moment. The mind, based on our perception of our stressors, usually is in the future or the past. So when we wanna change something in our life, you can't do that when the mind is future tripping or replaying an old event. You have to be present. In other words, you can't fix your stressors when you're not in stress. So you have to have a series of tools, hopefully tools that you have to deal with that intruder that's robbing you of that lack of peace in that present moment. So, you know, the body's always present. And when you can use the energy of your breath and access that energy and add it to your mind 
everything you've cultivated prior to this moment that you have access to in this moment that you want to take into the next moment. In other words, the energy of the mind and what your intention is, you become as good as you possibly can be in that moment. And it becomes very addictive because you get so efficient energetically at what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, most of the stressors that we see people interacting with today have their interpretation of what has already happened or it's not going to work out somehow in the future. And none of that is real. It's just a wonderful story that we animate ourselves with because we love to be stimulated. But a lot of it isn't real. What's real is right here, right now, in your mind, as we take in this information. And when you can take this in and really feel the message, something happens to the brain that allows us to discard what doesn't work, access what does work, and we become self-confident. We have self-esteem. We understand that everything in our life, whether it's perceived as good or bad, is happening for our benefit, for our growth. I love all that. And when you're when you're talking, I was just thinking about living life one breath at a time. And I understand this through martial arts and extreme sports, the importance of being in the moment, because if I am trying to predict what the athlete's going to do and punch me in the face or kick me or whatever they want to do in that circumstance, I have to focus on the first thing, not, you know, what might be coming later. It's like, it's taking a lot of right. information, but being fully right. present and knowing and trusting that I have the capabilities to adapt to or respond to whatever is coming. And as human beings, we are very adaptive. We are very responsive. And so to me, it feels like this balance when I look in the world. Um, so I want to create a certain reality. Once I become into alignment with who I am and what I value, I think, okay, you know, what do I want to do? And most people don't even get to this part. Who are you? What are your values? What do you want to do? What are you passionate about? What would you like to create? What would you do if you had a million dollars every day for the rest of your life? Uh, what, what would you do with your time? And so once we get there, we want to create it from a, uh, a place of fulfillment, right? And, we, and when we look at the world, there's a lot of things to be uh, fearful of because it's uncertain. So we want to uh, balance the preparation without, you know, saying, Oh my goodness, this could happen. And I'm so afraid. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, sinking energetically into fear. So how do you um, educate on those balances of saying, okay, take reality for what it is. You might have to prepare for a scenario that's not ideal, but don't be fearful. And also that same one, when you get into that alignment with who you are and in your book, uh, body, mind, business, you talk about acting in alignment with oneself, which I'd love you to talk about. And so how do you integrate that where you're like, okay, I'm into balance and I want to create this thing now that I'm passionate about. And uh, also the fear aspect of saying, you know, I want to take reality for what it is, just like in extreme sports, for example, when I'm looking at a big line uh, down a mountainside and I'm looking at avalanches, I need to, I can't just uh, law of attraction and say, oh no, that avalanche isn't going to come if I put myself in a stupid area. So I'm taking reality for what it is, but I'm not fearful of it. So I'm wondering if you can address those points. Thank you so much. You know, that is just... You know, so much of the world's issues would fall away in a breath or two if we could just practice exploring, just having a conversation with ourselves about your inquiry just then. 
You know, I, I continually try to simplify things for myself. Not that I'm not smart or dumb, but I just know that simplicity is my psychological immune system saying that when something is too complex, you need to prepare for it a little bit more before you go into it. So, you know, from the most simplistic standpoint, like you said, life takes place one breath at a time. There's no one on earth taking two breaths at a time. Life takes place one thought at a time and then one action at a time. And then giving yourself that pace. In other words, when energy's coming in on the inhale, you're becoming stronger. Your spine is straighter. You're more buoyant in the lungs. Your heart rate will go up slightly. There'll be a slight spike in the cognition in the film you're watching in your head. And then as you're exhaling, energy is leaving the body. Air is leaving the lungs. You want to continue to hold that spine straight and you want to stay on that exhale as long as you possibly can so that you can extract the oxygen out of the carbon dioxide. In other words, both inhale and exhale are carrying the same amount of oxygen. You're inhaling O2, you're exhaling CO2. So the exhale is a wonderful tool to trigger to your brain that the environment that you're in is safe. There is no threat of danger. You're not going to get hurt. There's no lion around here. And you can hack in to the higher part of the brain as adults that allows us to be neuroplastic. In other words, when I, when I think this thought, I observe it differently today than I did when I was 30. And that hippocampus continues to give us more questions around the normal answers that we've given ourselves, and that's called personal growth. And as these new awarenesses come to our mind, it travels back into the cerebellum, our hindbrain, where the subconscious is stored, all of our subconscious patterns that we've been accruing since we were a young child. So the idea here is, you know, one breath at a time, one thought at a time, and one action at a time, and commit to that fully until you get really, really good at it. You, just because you can do many things at once doesn't mean that's something you want to get good at. Just because God's gifted you with a super high pain threshold, that's not something you want to abuse. It's a warning system that has been gifted to you. Just because you can handle more pain than your neighbor, that's something you, that alarm system you want to honor. You don't want to abuse it because once this starts to break down, it doesn't come back. You can have all the surgeries you want. You're still going to be great, but it's not going to be like what it was when it first came out of your mom a long, long time ago. So one breath at a time, one thought at a time, one action at a time. And then when you create something in your mind, an intention of what you'd like to manifest, how much of yourself can you commit to that? You, you must commit fully without distraction, without noise, without distortion, and merge and co-create with what you're trying to do. You are in charge of your mind. Your mind is not in charge of you. You're the CEO of this mind. And I like to get myself up above my lower consciousness and look down on the players. I never like to be on the bottom looking up. It just seems too daunting. So the position of my mind, 
the position of my spine, the access that I have to the neurochemistry. And I always try to blend the ancient arts with the modern arts. You know, the North America, you know, we're only 200 years old, 250 years old as a civilization. And when you look to the Western trainers, the Western coaches, it, it's more of a military type setup of frequency, how much do you do it, intensity, how hard you do it, and duration, how long you do it. I try to add that to what I teach is called the Eastern arts, which number one is breath, breath control, and having an understanding of what the breath is bringing you and all the different breathing strategies you can bring to help you become super efficient. So it's breath. And the Eastern arts are all about breath control. You know, when you go out into the Eastern cultures, when kids are young, if their mom sees that kid mouth breathing, they'll duct tape that kid for a few months to retrain the brain that there's no mouth breathing unless we're in a mortal danger. Everything is done through the nose. So it's breath. Number two, angles. What are the, what's the angle that you're using physically to move your body against the environment? What's the angle you're wedging into your emotion, your passion, the fuel, the fire, the feeling of what you're trying to do right now? What's the angle mentally? I mean, do you think you can do it? Do you think you can't do it? Or is there a fraction in between? And obviously, it's really all about balance. When we talk about the Eastern arts, it's all about balance and what we eat, the human doing, the human being. It's all about balance. And when we go for stuff in life, we temporarily take ourselves out of balance. So we drop into that steep line. And for a moment there, nature is taking us out of balance. So how can I counteract my pelvis, my breath, my alignment, my arm movement, my leg structure, so that I can counterbalance against the environment. So I like to use breath, angles, and balance and wedge that with frequency, intensity, duration. And that gives me the whole last 10,000 years of human consciousness of trying to go for it in life and gives me greater access to being successful. I love all that. That's that's really brilliant. And it does cover everything. And it's very simple. And uh, I think there's like a Lao Tzu quote or a Zen quote. It's just like uh, mastery of simplicity or something like that. So, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And what comes up for me is like this idea where we, we think of ourselves as almost like the lowest common denominator of what we're capable of, right? Say, so, oh, well, you know, I could probably run one mile, but if I was really pushed, maybe I could run 10. And I'm like, well, well, what if, uh, you know, you had a loved one on the line and they were going to die unless you could run a hundred, could you run a hundred? Yeah, I would. So we're capable of so much more. And I like to give the thought experiment to my coaching group and, and people that I work with and in the podcast audience, you know, if you pick an idea that has substance to you, you know, that has meaning to you, that you know why you're doing it, that it comes from you, that, you know, it's, it's a, it's something you would really be passionate about bringing forward and I say, okay, great. Like, what do you believe? You know, you, how much do you believe you can get that done? Most of the time they, their belief is very low, right? Because they're, again, they're thinking of their capabilities as a lowest common denominator, but I go, all right, well, just imagine that uh, both your parents uh, are going to die a horrible death unless you achieve this in two years. If that were the scenario, do you think you could get it done? 
And immediately everybody says yes, because mm -hmm. we will find a way, we'll adapt, we'll keep moving forward. And what that does is immediately remove failure from the equation right? Because it's not going to be one failure, but that's a part of the process. People are nervous of failure, right? They don't want to go through that. But if you are going to continue to adapt, to resolve, to respond to what happens to create this thing that's meaningful to you, your success is inevitable with perseverance. And that's one of the things I learned with the Shaolin monks that could break this stone. Because I'm always looking at like, you know, what's, what's the what's the most a human be being can do what's our maximum potential and you see this in athletes right and they're doing and performing amazing things and the shallow monks could break stone for real and you know what he told me was that it was years of qigong understanding the inner world right and then also a uh, hard qigong smashing his fingers against trees for years, but it was this perseverance. It took him years to be able to achieve something that most people thought was impossible. And so my thought in a nutshell for simplicity was take the time to consider what's meaningful to you, what your passions are, who you truly are, um, you know, what you want to bring to this world, and then apply what that master did to break stone right? You're just not giving up. It's a direction. It's going to happen. It has to happen at some point because whatever failure comes, you'll adapt to learn and respond. So I'm, remember, I'm wondering if you could speak on um, just failure and perseverance and getting into alignment to saying, you know what, this is meaningful enough for me to overcome those roadblocks. Because if you're going to build anything, you're going to hit roadblocks, no matter who you are or what you're trying to create. Failure is a part of the process. That's a great question. And you know, everybody's a little different, but we're all basically the same. You know, we all have this, this self-preservation gene. We all have this lower brain that's there to protect us. And we've developed it over the last thousands of years. We have this <clears throat> amygdala, this lower part of the brain, which is kind of like our war department. And we can be at war with ourselves internally, or, or we can be at war with others uh, externally. And right behind the amygdala is the hypothalamus, which is one of the master glands for breathing. So when we have a negative experience or we perceive a negative experience of failure uh, or we're not measuring up or we don't understand why things are happening, the amygdala gets a hold of that with our cerebellum. And until we communicate with that and find a richer understanding of why that event occurred. In other words, relax into it. It's, it'll go away once you start to communicate with it and won't have the same visceral effect. But until you deal with it, it's going to continue to deal with you because the lower brain is basically in charge all the time. It doesn't know anything about happiness. It doesn't know anything about joy and love. All it knows is how to keep you alive at all costs. And it is a vicious warrior. It will do anything to keep you alive. So when we have an event where it's either a cerebral event, a physical event, or an emotional event where there's fear there, until we turn around to that fear in our mind and say, what do you want from me? And then you make a decision. You say, I can do this or I can't do it. And you begin to communicate with it. It's going to continue to come up every year of your life until your deathbed. So we have to begin to understand how the lower brain works. So when, it, when there's a fear there, there's an insecurity there, everything stops in your body. 
digestion stops, heart rate goes up, breath becomes rapid, blood pressure goes up, thoughts start to go fast. All your energy goes out into your muscles and bones. And it's a full on emergency, like you're going to be eaten by a polar bear. And it's just a thought. So transcending the perception that I'm not good enough, or this event didn't work out for me, or the fear or negativity around it, you must find ways in your own unique way to communicate with it. Take that stone, and each time you wedge your awareness and breath into it, try to make it a little smaller. Try to break it into smaller bite-sized pieces instead of this huge rock that's bigger than you. And as it breaks down over time into smaller bite-sized pieces, what's amazing is you'll begin to see that this fear happened for your personal growth and your benefit. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I love all that. And one other way that I heard it put is that, you know, memory and what we experience here is stored in the body and we're not uh, taught how to relieve our body of that emotion. So we've seen oftentimes where people will get ill and like some sort of thing will happen in the stomach or the chest. And when you do some work with them, you, re you real realize there's this past trauma. And when they think about it, it makes their stomach upset. And so mm -hmm. the way that I've had this explained to me and, and resonate with it. Let's just say you're five years old and you got this puppy dog and it gets run over horribly by a car. And you know, it's this yellow car. Well, in your twenties or thirties, you might not like people who drive yellow cars when you meet them because you've totally forgot what that connection was, but your body didn't. And it might be stored there. And there could be other traumatic things as well, but it's going to store in the body like hard drive, unless we know how to clear it to the cloud. And part of that is addressing it. And, and one great exercise for people is when they think about things they want to do is to go into, well, what are you afraid of? What would you be afraid of if you started to try your own business, if you put your artwork out to the world and this and that? And um, they realize when they actually draw them all out, they're not that bad. It's always right. something outside. Oh, well, somebody will think this. Well, that's you're disempowering yourself. You can't please everybody. If you're trying to do that, it's you're going to get nowhere. So when you draw them out and you address them, um, when they're on paper, they're not as big and as scary as as intense as we make them in our mind and then our body, because the body is the one that's going to have to make the output. It's going to have to right. do the drawing. It's going to have to make the podcast. It's going to have to um, create the business. It's going to have to make the phone calls. And so if you could address that, you're going to be able to overcome that fear by addressing it uh, head on. And that's a very powerful way to live because we're we're pushing our comfort zones always and that's something that extreme sports will teach you and sports in general will teach you is that you want to keep pushing those boundaries of your capabilities and in extreme sports it's always this idea of like okay this is my capability i did a backflip over a 20 foot jump but can i do it over this 45 foot jump or can i learn this new move i just did a backflip but can i add a 180 mm -hmm. now right and it's always this bound of your capability with a little bit of risk and we were speaking on that a little bit earlier so i'm wondering if you could address that just like pushing the boundaries a little bit and, you know, engaging in life completely. Uh, you had a great phrase where earth is a participation sport. And it seems like, you know, we're, we're really trying to get very comfortable, very wall E-esque, you know what I mean? No risk. Uh, you know, everything is safe. It's guaranteed to the end of time. So you can just sit in your chair and food will be delivered to you. Um, you know, and uh, you're just going to be in a safe little bubble. That's great, Matt. And I, I think people have to understand that, you know, life is a participation sport, whether you choose to participate or not, you're going to be called 
to participate. People are going to want to hear what you have to say. You're going to want to hear what other people have to say. You're going to want to go out and grow your tribe as you get older. You know, one thing I've noticed is that there's only a handful of people on earth that can fix their mind with their mind. Most folks are visual kinesthetic learners where they feel things in their body that come up and rewire their perception of events and subjects in their mind. When you think about the subconscious, the subconscious is stored in the body. And where is it stored? It's stored in our fat cells. Emotional molecules from our past are in our fat cells because fat cells live in the body longer than glucose or sugar. We burn glucose and sugar two and a half hours out of every 24 hours. There's only two hours of sugar glucose stores. So it's not in your body long enough to pick up that vibration of what that particular thought means to you, pain or pleasure. So it's stored in our fat cells, these emotional molecules. So when you think about our lungs are the primary driver of fat loss or weight loss. How do you do that? Well, you exhale through your nose and the molecules of your lungs coming back out and turned into moisture out into the environment, the fat goes right back out in the environment. So the lungs on the exhale is the primary driver of 85% of our weight loss. The other 15% is urination, evacuation, and sweat. So our primary detoxifier of physical inflammation reduction is exhaling longer than our inhale through our nose. Number two, as we begin to incinerate excessive inflammation or fat in our body, we clear up those old mental karmas and emotional karmas in the past and we come into the moment, weightlessness. We're not carrying the weight of the world and any shame or guilt about things that I did when I was younger. When I was younger, I had a ton of energy and I had very low awareness. I didn't care. Now that I'm older, I've got a little energy, but I got a ton of awareness. So this whole reversal takes place in human life if we can let it occur. <laughs> I just laugh at my butt off over here. Um, yeah, I, I love all that. In, in one of your books, you talk about um, the how to achieve heart and brain coherence. Is that right? Do you talk? Can you yeah. explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, because I feel like that's important. You know, I, I want to address this real quick. But like you said, our our lower brain is the one that's active all the time. And whenever I've asked people, you know, you know, what would you do if you could do anything? If you're unlimited, live in your life purpose, right? I'm asking their conscious mind. And their conscious mind, the, the number one priority for it is to stay alive. So to stay alive, we need to eat. And for us to eat, we need to make money, right? Yeah. So, so it's going to distort the answer because I'm not going to become an artist or do this thing that I want to do that my soul is calling me to do because I have no idea how I'm going to make money and I'm not going to let you kill me, you know? And so one of the ways that I've helped people overcome that is with the quantum heart hypnosis. And all it is, is a guided meditation into your heart. So rather than the conscious mind answering, we're putting our lens through the heart and the heart knows you're, you're eternal, uh, that you're not going to die, that you're adaptable, that you're capable of anything. And that's the thing that connects you 
to spirit. And so I think if we can move and live more in the heart, more in faith, more in who we truly are, uh, it's night and day different for how we operate in this world, how we give our gift to this world, how we will be fulfilled moving forward, but also all the joy that we give others from being authentic, from setting that example, because when we live in that way, it's always cooperative to the environment right? People sacrifice and compromise their soul and maybe what might be right. You know, it's like, oh yeah, what do you do for a living? It's this. And it's like, does that actually help people? You know? Yeah, but I, you got to pay the pills. You know what I mean? And so they're not thinking about that. But when you go into the heart, it is always in some way benefit or, or helpful to other people. Yeah. You know, the whole journey of, of the life is, you know, when we're younger, before our ego develops, you know, we're totally in our heart. We're totally in the present moment. We're in an amazement that we're in this amazing body with all these sensations and we're interacting with this amazing environment. And then we go off to school and our mind shifts from going to the heart to get the basic information. We begin to go to the brain to get the basic information, you know, linear thought, mathematics, physics, you know, projecting point A to point B. And we begin to train the mind, which is everywhere to go to the heart second and go to the brain first to get solid information about how I fit into the present moment based on my education or my training or, you know, my level of awareness about what I'm trying to achieve. And as we get older, we begin to realize that the journey then is out of the brain into the heart's intelligence to have that sense of fulfillment, that sense of gratitude, that sense of appreciation for all living things, all thoughts, all emotions, that gratitude. So we just begin this journey of like 16 inches down from the brain to the heart. And it's, it's the longest 16 inches that you'll ever travel your entire life. And there's a part of the brain that really vigorously rejects the offering of, of what the heart is, is bringing to the surface. And there, you know, there's science out there that clearly indicates that during a 24-hour period, your heart sends 80% more stimulation and advice to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. You know, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I remind myself that I have the ability today, right now, to have a peak day. And it's going to be a peak day. And a peak day for me means that I'm going to be invigorated. There's going to be passion. There's going to be purpose. There's going to be pushing the envelope. There's going to be getting in front of people and meeting them emotionally and trying to help them grow their internal brand. So I'm getting up every day and my mental intention from my heart is have a peak day. And I don't always meet it, but that's my goal. And doing what I'm doing for my heart, not my ego, you know, my heart's projecting this amazing opportunity to me in this amazing life. And I want to say thank you to my heart for all the good stuff and the not so good stuff. It all comes from a massive projector that's in the core of my heart. And I want to say thank you to that core central flame. I don't always want to come there begging, you know, begging to be happy or, you know, uh, can you do this for me? I'm trying to give, give, give. And the more that I give from my heart, the more I get back that doesn't need to have words to it or doesn't need to have monetary return or Ed, you're the greatest. You no, know, nobody teaches like you. That's your version of me. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to be here as much as I possibly can until this stops working. 
Wow. Well, that's, that's powerful. And I, and I love it. And it, it makes me think about defining my own peak day. Cause I feel like for my life, yeah. sometimes I, I want to be, I'm stuck in the Western mindset sometimes of like laying it out and, and categorizing it and, and things like that. Um, so I'm like, Hmm, what, what is, what is the most ideal day that I can have? And so I'd love for you to share a little bit for people who let's say they have a job right now. That's like a nine to five and they might not love it. It, it pays the bills. Um, they want to kind of transition. They want to figure out how to have a peak day or they're in a state where you're um, kind of depressed or you're, you're a little bit lost, right? How do they find that, that guidance? Because you, you can hear in your voice that you are aligned, that you do have the ability to create this. And I know that when I speak to people who are a little bit lost and they're really low in the energy, they can't even think about, you know, what a peak day is, how to get those emotions up. Cause they're a little bit, you know, caught in the mire. And so what would you suggest for, for those types of people? Well, you want to, you want to simplify your life. Okay, where am I expending energy mentally, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, where it's not, I don't sense benefit. Streamlining each moment. And notice as a human being, we use maps inside and we read these maps. And you have a mental map of how you see your day. You have a physical map of how you perceive your body you know, riding through the moment and you, every day you want to evolve your map. And, and that takes some practice. Like, you know, like I want to improve in how I walk in the woods. I want to become super efficient in striking the earth, shoulder blades back and down, less breaths per minute, covering more distance. So I need to remap how my left prefrontal cortex describes to me my lower body mechanics. Psychologically, there's maps that I'm using that are obsolete and they're hanging on and I can't seem to discard these maps. And these are maps that I used as a very young child to navigate the world. But they're the first maps that I drew in regard to understanding myself and my world. So when I sense stress, and an old map is being discarded, I have to have faith and trust that the universe is going to create a new map for me that's going to be more efficient without me having a big pity party that, you know, my life is failing and I'm not being, any, you know, I'm not valuable anymore, that I'm not, that I don't have a, a happy gene anymore. So it's about being energy efficient, remapping your inner world, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, understanding that we want to be burning fat all the time, no matter what we're doing at the workplace. So most folks have to go to the gym to do that. When you learn breath control, you've got a gym right here. Your body weight against gravity. The breath control is going to give you a cardiovascular spike. Your body weight against gravity, moving your body on this chair is going to build strength and flexibility. So there's balance there. When you have strength and flexibility in your body, you have balance, strength, and flexibility in your mind. And it's all being animated from the bottom up from the spiritual meta world, the metaphysical world. So understanding that we take care of ourselves through cardio, strength, flexibility, and meditation. There's four different things there. When you have breath control in this chair at work, you have a tool right here 
where you can access all four forms of physiological self-care and psychological self-care at any given second. So you have the ability to rewire the brain as you move through the day. You're super efficient with your energy. You're taking time for the body so stress doesn't build up and cut off circulation and oxygenation to your glands and you have alkaline blood. So folks, to have a peak day, you don't have to have a peak day every day, but you need to set that in motion early on in the morning when you have the most energy. You have the most energy you have is when you get up in the morning and setting in a psychological state like that. I'm going to have a peak day. I don't know what that means, but I want to feel today. I want to push my thought consciousness. I want to push up against the old me and allow a lighter version of me rather than these old masses of old stories coming up all the time. So think about life, peak days. You know, when we're stressed, we want quantity. We want a lot of pleasure. Doesn't really work that way. Human life is about quality. And if you can replace the quantity need, that need for quantity, no matter what it is, because too much of anything is poison. You have to understand the human life is about quality. Q-O-L, quality of life. Break that down. Quality of day, quality of the moment, quality of the second. And just set that in motion when your energy is high. And pretty soon, that'll become the norm without you thinking that I need to have a peak day. Oh, wow. Well, I love that. You brought up so many uh, amazing points. The, the quality of life thing is something that I've addressed most of my life. And what I would do is figure out what I wanted to do most and then go do that. So for you know my early 20s, I was spending over 100 days a year in the mountains on my snowboard testing my body and I will never ever regret those years of my life. It was extraordinary. And, you know, we were talking before the show of how it gives you intangible benefits, how you think, how you operate in the world, uh, what you believe in yourself. And so it did so many things. And I really love that. It was the quality of life that was most important to me. I'd rather have less material as far as my house and, and things, right? Everybody, I remember growing up in my town and if you had a crappy car, you kind of made fun of like my parents had crappy cars and I was embarrassed. And I was like, why do you have to buy this? You know, you can buy something else. And, uh, you know, but in Whistler, it, it was kind of like almost a badge of honor, how crappy your car was. Cause yeah. the whole point was just to get to the mountain and you would walk to the mountain. You take the bus. It didn't matter because the quality of experience was so incredibly high. The quality of life was so high. And it's such a very important point to think about. And that's when I'm working with people, we want to define that. What environment do you want to be in? What types of people do you want to be around? What do you want at your fingertips? So if you love the beach and the ocean, there are many places on this planet you can live near the beaches and oceans. Some of them will be very expensive and maybe not tangible, but others uh, might be a lot more um, you know, available to you. But we're really conditioned to just go get these, uh, I call like squirrel nuts, money. We just want to stack up all these squirrel nuts and that's the most important thing. But when you can clearly identify your values and your quality of life, it's an easier transition to lessen the material and move towards the quality. And if you build from 
what's most important, then build the in abundance after. Don't do it in reverse, right? I saw so many people when I was in Whistler saying, oh, you know, I I'd love to do a snowboard season when I make this amount of money or when I, you know, put five years into my job, we're going to do a month off and get a pass where I just reversed that and was able to kind of figure it out as it went along. And the other mm -hmm. thing that you brought up, I think is really, really smart, really simple. When you wake up, you're intending to have a peak day, whatever that might be for you. You might have a powerful prayer you enjoy. Mm -hmm. You might have right. an intention right. is so key. So you're just intending that because you're putting your will, your spirit and what you were given into motion, right? Mm -hmm. And that's very important. Otherwise, your environment will do that for you. If you mm -hmm. don't make the conscious will and decision, the environment is going to do that for you. And you're going to feel lost and disempowered because you'll be taken in all these different directions because you're not intending to, to do this. You're not, you're not mm -hmm. mindful of your perspective. And then you add that in with the breath because it's resetting. It's going to zero consciously because what happens, uh, people <laughs> wake up and then their brain turns on and those thoughts go nuts until you go to sleep and then you wake up and repeat for literally months and years at a mm -hmm. time. And all this is saying is each and every day you add your will and consciousness, right? To the first moment of your awareness and then take a moment and breath work is, you know, people struggle with meditation because, you know, their, their minds, they don't know if they're doing it right. And they, their mind is a nut. That's a part of it. Your mind is a nut, but mm -hmm. breath is so amazing at just, it takes it out of the equation. Like it just does it for you when you focus on, you know, a simple pattern or something like that, it's just going to do it automatically. And it allows you to set to zero, it allows you to reset. And then all these maps that you were speaking of come into place. How do you understand the world? How tall are you? How do you go through this door? What do you think about your neighbor? You know, <laughs> all these different things to map, to understand the reality we're in. So each time we reset is a massive massive balance. And most people don't do that. And one thing that I often give to um, the people that I coach and, and, and work with, I just say, you know, notice your emotions throughout the day. And if you go into these negative spirals, whether it's stress or fear, just take in three deep breaths, right? Just fully take in three deep breaths. And what you're doing is you're becoming aware and you're zapping that energy. You know, you're, you're coming back to awareness. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, the conscious breathing mechanics, or if there's, you know, there's the Wim Hof breath. My buddy does Soma breath. Uh, Pranayama has hundreds of different uh, breath. I did one um, years ago and I still do it every now and then that really kind of released DMT. I think it was like, uh, I can't remember what it's called though, but it was, it's super intense. I don't like it cause it's really hard to do. Uh, but it's an interesting experience. If I can battle through and get it, then I almost have like a DMT experience from breath. And so as you explore through all these different techniques, how do you, um, educate people on conscious breathing? And is there a particular method or process that you enjoy? Great question. The person who taught me pranayama was from India and he practiced 10 hours a day, every single day for 30 years straight and didn't miss a day. Holy so <laughs> he was, he was someone who wasn't affected by negative emotion or, you know, the sense of lack at, at any and any, you know, he just knew the heart was the key brain to understanding human suffering. 
And then over a period of years of discipline, he was able to transcend that. What I try to do with the breathing is I try to make it as practical as possible. In other words, you have it and you can use it on the fly or you can use it in exercise or you can use it to become still. You know, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. So fundamentally, we're talking about the thoracic diaphragm muscle, which separates the belly from the chest, which is the primary driver of the process we call inhale. And there's a vertical press down during the inhale process that straightens the spine, activates the entric nervous system of the belly, where there's a lot of serotonin and dopamine, so you feel good about yourself. Uh-oh. We might have lost Ed. Into the present moment. Oh, hold on, Ed. Go back about 10 seconds. You, you froze. Now you're back. You're talking about the diaphragm. I was like, I thought I lost you for a second, but you're back. I'm sorry, man. That's no, okay. You're good. You're good now. So you were just so this, talking about the, the thoracic. So this diaphragm muscle is so important. And it almost acts like an organ in regard to all the various responsibilities it has to stall aging, be energy efficient, fat metabolism, lower heart rates. And that sets up the mind in the present moment. So creating a relationship with this diaphragm, it's the most important out of all 600 muscles. It brings you life. On the inhale, it vertically presses down. It straightens our spine. The shoulders drop. And there's an ease to the trachea in regard to exchanging oxygen and carbon dioxide. Slower you breathe, the more you activate the higher brain, the higher self. Learning how to breathe in a way that you thicken the diaphragm muscle so it becomes stronger, more efficient, while at the same time, you're activating something that's called the vagus nerve. So the diaphragm brings us energy. The vagus nerve brings us relaxed energy. So you become super efficient mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Learning how to breathe in a way that opens yourself up so that you can stabilize the mind. There's a lot of tension in this shoulder region. So there's a lot of things that we can do. Just like if you're going to take three breaths, here I am seated in this chair. My palms are up. If I inhale, I take my arms out to the side. I interlace my fingers overhead and I hold the breath in. Now, as I hold the breath in, my heart rate's going to go up slightly, but not a lot. And then you exhale through your nose and you just trace the hands down the opposite walls and bring your hands back to your legs. It's a great opener for the lymphatic drains through here. It's a great opener for the intercostals and tension that we store in our shoulders. So it's just inhale up, hold. You'll feel comfortable. And then after several seconds, you'll feel that call to release the CO2. And you just release it slowly. And it's almost like you crack that breastplate open, giving the heart permission to run the show during that exhale. Another way of of opening up this area is to just take these hands and sweep them around the skull. And with the elbow bent, you'll notice you can get into your rhomboids. You can get into your traps and you can break those old bubble wrap adhesions in our past that's behind our heart. And with the elbow bent, you get this amazing upper quadrant opener. It's like you're swimming backstroke with the elbow bent. And as the hands cross the brain, there's magnetics here 
where the left brain and the right brain, the right brain will move into the left brain, the left brain will move into the right brain. And there's that sense of wholeness where we blend the we with the me. That's another great tool. Another way of opening up the spine is just simple twisting where you reboot those adrenal glands and kidneys. And it's just real easy twisting with focused breath. Another way of getting in is just imagine you're climbing a ladder and just really lock out. And that is another great tool. So all this opens up this chest cage. It pulls the shoulder blades back and down. It realigns us into that childlike environment. Another way is just grab the hands, close the back, open the chest. This is another great chest opener. So, you know, the lungs are great, Matt, but the lungs aren't muscle. The lungs are one of the few things in the body that are tissue. And the lungs are only going to be able to expand and contract as much as your diaphragm is strong and your ribs are elastic. So as you do the breathing and these simple movements, you're going to reshape your chest cage from the inside out with elastic ribs. You're going to have more energy and you're going to burn more fat. So you're going to become super efficient in your physiology. So being efficient in your physiology means you'll become, you know, it just comes up into your mind and you're more efficient in your psychology. There's hundreds and thousands of different ways to sequence breathing. And what you're trying to do most of the time is keep your heart rate down. In other words, when there's stress in the brain or there's stress on the body, the first thing the brain does, the hypothalamus, is it, tur it turns the heart on to beat faster. And then after you do that for a minute or two, then the brain will say, get control of your breath. But by then it's too late because you're already hyperventilating. Now you can't hyperventilate through your nose. You can only hyperventilate through your mouth. So over a period of time, you wanna rewire your brain so that when you sense oxygen uh, deprivation or CO2 levels are up, rather than wait for the heart to beat faster, get control of your inhale and exhale, your inspiratory muscles and your expiratory muscles, your abdominal muscles, your sit-up muscles. So when there's issue, and the heart rate and blood pressure going up, go to your breath first, stabilize the brain. And then when the brain feels stable, then you're gonna be able to keep your heart rate lower in stressful situations, which gives you greater control of your mind and greater control of your body from the inside out. Wow, well, I love that explanation. And it's, uh, it's interesting to go with the body first because most people think about just the breath and then understanding kind of like um, in martial arts, if you want to be able to do a head kick, you need to be able to stretch, you know, and we mm -hmm. often think about power and endurance and things like that. But it's like, oh, we want the mechanics of this to be optimal for the process we're going to be. And so with that said, um, you know, do you have a simple process that people could do like a, like a, like one pattern? Because I think you teach many different patterns and they have different outcomes. Are there a couple basics that someone, if they wanted to dive in could understand or practice? Like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's nose breathing or you want to exhale more or just something simple where people want to dive in and explore it a little bit. So for folks that are, that, that are at their work computer right now. So here's a great technique for folks, the work computer. Nostril diaphragmatic breathing. Bring your right hand up to your face. And what we're gonna do here is learn a technique called 
the ocean sounding breath, where we're gonna allow the sound of a seashell to merge with the diaphragmatic breathing, which, which introverts our five senses and we take less breaths per minute, which means a lower heart rate and blood pressure, which means optimal neurochemistry, a relaxed brain, and the body will metabolize fat and not sugar. So if you just imagine this as a pocket mirror and bring it up to your mouth and exhale through your mouth like you're trying to fog this mirror. Now, while you're exhaling into this imaginary mirror, bring your brain down into your windpipe. And at the top of your windpipe, you'll pick up a little piece of energy called the epiglottis. It's a little piece of muscle. And that's what's making that sound. Now bring the right hand down. Breathe through your nose. Contract that piece of muscle at the top of your trachea while you inhale and exhale. And you'll hear a sound like Darth Vader in the Star Wars movie, or you'll hear a seashell up into your ear. And you just breathe really slowly with this ocean sound in your throat. So we're burning infl inflammation around the throat area, that, that mucus phlegm fat, that's not gonna get down into your lungs because you're burning it right now. You'll notice that sound also grounds you and brings you into the internal world and you introvert before you extrovert. So you make that sound and then when the inhale is complete, hold the breath in for two. And when the exhale is complete, Hold the breath out for two and just go through 30 seconds of that and sit back in your mind and watch the power of nostril diaphragmatic breathing, ocean sound in your throat and two count breath holds after the inhale and after the exhale. begin to deepen your breath, the first thing you'll notice is that it's easier to inhale and how much your brain likes that. It's easier to exhale, so you're detoxifying yourself with a lower heart rate. You're not having to create Western exercise or heat or friction, lactic acid, to detoxify your organs. People are, aren't dying of muscle cancer. People are dying of organ cancer. Wow, that was awesome. I, I did a few breaths. And like I said, I the one thing I really like with breath is that it takes the confusion out of it for those people who don't like meditation because they always like, well, am I doing it right? And, and the monkey mind is there, but this kind of focuses the monkey mind and it also engages the body in that um, the intelligence, the innate intelligence that our body has. And we're connecting yeah. those two worlds, which I think is, is really wonderful. So I appreciate you sharing that and, um, you know, bringing the, the science and understanding to why we do it. Um, in Dr. Joe's book, I went to one of his seminars and he just talked about how, when we understand why we do something more, it gives us more motivation. 
to go do mm-hmm. something. And so I think that that's important as well. I was like, well, why am I doing this? What are the benefits? And I see that a lot for people who want to improve their health is they, they don't see the benefit right away or understand what they're doing. So they kind of give up really quick. And so I think that's really powerful to have those, those two worlds uh, bridged so that we can know we have a powerful tool to access daily. And especially if we can integrate something minimal and simple into our lives consistently. So just waking up, setting the intention, um, and then doing one minute of conscious breath, 30 seconds, even two Mm -hmm. minutes, five minutes, you know, if you can commit to the minute, right. You could do more after that, if you want, and the one minute will get you to the more every single day. But if your mind, if you don't engage in something simple, right, but you're also going to understand the mechanics of why you're doing it. So maybe that day, you're not going to do conscious breathing, you go for a walk in nature, and take in deep breaths, you integrate the same knowledge in a different way. And it's consistent. And that's the key, because you understand the reset aspect, you understand the integrated right. body aspect, you understand the intention aspect. So you can begin to modify that a little bit with the deeper understanding. So I think that what you shared there was, was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I think that we could uh, dive into oh, it, go ahead, go ahead. Ed. No, that just ties into what you were saying earlier, that the subconscious is stored in the body. So if you're coming to your mind and you're saying, well, I'm going to take up this meditation thing, but you're not using the body and you're stuck in this subconscious. In other words, you're looking at a meditation practice and starting it based on who you were 20 years ago. And you didn't require a meditation practice back then. You have to consciously want a sub conscious experience of meditation to overwhelm that nervousness and all that hyper energy we had when we were younger. So if you move your body and you do these little twists and movement with breath control, and then you follow the breath, you've broken up a lot of these subconscious adhesions. And then when it's easier to breathe, the brain is going to be more open to being conscious around the process of meditation. The subconscious, for the most part, on the surface is never going to want meditation because there's no action there. The subconscious is a series of stimulations of either pain or pleasure. That's all it is. So to bring yourself present, move your body first in all sorts of different ways, add the conscious breathing, and then breaking up these adhesions around the breath with that lower heart rate, it's a lot easier to introduce new instructions to the maps of the mind when we're practicing that in that format because most folks aren't ready to, to just sit down it's too much for them and it becomes overwhelming and then they have a negative experience and everybody's avoiding negative experiences and trying not to feel negative in all the things that we're doing so whether you're exercising or doing yoga or any type of movement do the movement first and break up these old subconscious stressors Add some breath control and notice if meditation isn't your natural mindset and it's always been there for us all along the way. We just didn't see the channel. Yeah, that's brilliant. And that really uh, brings to light the distinctions there, right? With just getting into the mechanics of breathing and integrating and the, and the mind being resistant and, and why the subconscious is resistant and why so many people like, ah, I did it for a minute, but it's, you know, it's just not for me. And so it really does bypass all those problems, but understand more deeply why we have those problems and why we're programmed that way. It's kind of like, you know, 
the path of least resistance. Okay, this is what the subconscious and, and conscious mind want. Well, let's go do this because we're going to bypass that system and get the result that we want. And when you were talking about the resetting, another analogy that came up for me was the, the analogy of the empty cup. You know, you can't fill mm -hmm. a full cup. And so what you're doing with this reset, with this map is you're emptying your cup. So then you can begin to program, you know, and right. your mind and your subconscious and your life and your habits are programmable. Your emotions are even programmable. Yes. Most people don't understand the mechanics of how to get that done. And so right. as I understand it, and I'll just give you my, my thought, and I'd love for you to add to it is, uh, the first thing you need to do is be able to quiet your mind or have stillness. And then you need to know what you'd like to install, right? So, you know, when it was sports, it would be certain things around belief systems and stuff like that. Re repetition is a, is a good, uh, helpful tool like affirmations and things like that, but you can't do it from a full mind, right? That's why mm -hmm. hypnosis is, is, is useful. Um, and then, as well, monitoring, so bringing conscious awareness to your internal dialogue. So mm -hmm. when you're having the story repeat, having some sort of tool where you go, oh, I'm, I'm now seeing that story. Now I need to reset that, take in three deep right. and then say, you know, oh man, I, I really don't want to fall on my head when I do this. What if I fall on my head trying this backflip? Okay, well, hold on. Don't want that. Mm -hmm. Okay, three deep breaths. I love the thought of landing this trick. I have all mm -hmm. the capabilities of landing this trick. My intention now, I will go ahead and land this trick. So I use conscious language, will and intent in that. And you can use that anywhere. You can use that mm -hmm. driving to work. Somebody cuts you off. You get enraged. You notice, right? And then you, you reset through those tools. And then furthermore, through your day and your maps, you kind of analyze, you know, what are my limiting beliefs? You know, what are the dominant emotions? Well, I'm highly stressed. I'm super overwhelmed, right? So what's the opposite of over overwhelm? You know, I'm peaceful. I have more faith. So then mm -hmm. I found peace and peace and faith and courage and capability and all the lovely things that you want. And then as you open up, and you do the breath or you do a meditation, then you can affirm, then you can use hypnosis, you can use visualization, you can use intent. And now we're starting to play with our internal wiring. And we're going to see that through our natural impulses, and mm -hmm. also in our ability to catch it. So one mm -hmm. thing is like, it's not so bad to have these negative emotions, or these stresses or, or frustrations, that's part of life. It's just how long do you stay there? Do you right. get up at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 7 and something stresses you out and then you, you stick with that sucker all day? You, you, hold, you know, you right. hold on with all your might. And that's what happens. And we, we see these micro ones or it's like self-fulfilling where, where there's these other things. Oh, this day was terrible. You know, I stubbed my toe and then this guy cut me off. It's like you could have dropped that story immediately and refresh right. and reset. Right. And that's where your power lies. So I'd love uh, to hear your thoughts on that idea. No, I love that mental role of noticing, like noticing, okay, I'm here rather than, you know, judging it or competing with it or labeling it, just notice, you know, if you want to be lighter in the meditative experience, I like to use the phrase noticing. I, I notice my mind, but I'm not attached or stuck like a fly on the wall to that particular thought process. For most folks who begin the meditative process, the journey is down. The journey is down first into the body. 
rather than have this whole mental experience where you're watching your thoughts or your thoughts are watching you, nobody knows for sure whether it's happening one way or the other. Nobody knows. Nobody knows whether your thoughts are being created for you or you're creating these thoughts in the electrical stimulate. Nobody knows. But I do know that when I bring my attention to following my diaphragm down on the inhale and up on the exhale, I know that I'm in my body and I'm not worried about my mind. So getting down again into the present moment and just watching what's organically already happening for us, the, the vertical movement down and up on the inhale and exhale of the diaphragm, you stop that east and west narrative taking place in the ticker tape of your mind and you reassert pillar consciousness of north and south. And as you begin to show your brain that things are happening more north and south than east and west, you're off and running and into your imagination and all sorts of pleasurable places. I love that. That's a really brilliant analogy. Ed, this has been great. You know, so informative. You've got, you know, a couple great books. You've got courses online. Um, is there anything in this discussion that you feel like you would have loved to share or that we didn't discuss that you feel is important? Um, if so, feel free to share that. And if not, uh, just let people know where they can, where they can find you, where they can dive deeper and where they can learn more. Well, th first of all, thank you so much for having me, Matt. This was a blast. I had so much fun and I just want to say, Hey man, way to go. I mean, you're, you're thinking outside of the box. You're committing outside of the box. You're not turning back and you're moving forward with the skills that you have. And that just so shakes up that old paradigm. Like look at me in the mirror and you know, all the other accoutrements that come with that external simulation. You're an internal guy. You're super sensitive to what's important. And I love what you're bringing to your clients. One thing I want to leave folks with is just simplicity. Every spare moment you have for the rest of your life, whether you're at a traffic light or there's a gap in your mind at a computer or wherever you are, remind your brain, slow your breath down. Slow your breath down. And let that consciously become your subconscious when you have a spare moment. And we have many spare moments during the day. You're not so busy that you don't have spare moments. I don't care who you are. So slow your breath down. This will increase your efficiency and it will keep your energy clean and light. And when that happens, you are going to have a lighter mind. People can reach me at www.edharroldharold.com. There's all sorts of different ways that we can interact uh, via the computer and trainings that I have online or, or sessions that you might want to have with me. I'm excited to meet you. And I'm super excited to be invited into Matt's, Matt's beautiful den here. <laughs> well, Ed, this has been a treat. I appreciate you. And it's always been uh, great to share panels with you. Um, just one technical question that I'm curious about. You mentioned it earlier, when you're breathing and you're slowing your breath down, is it important that you breathe in and out with your nose and the out breath is longer than the inhale is there some basics like that or or does it or box breathing yeah. oh that's like a four in four hold four out four hold things like that that that's wonderful that works i'm a firm believer of the nostril exhale i i think the mouth exhale is wonderful but number one it happens quickly in other words your mouth exhale will be shorter in length 
than your nostril exhale. So you're keeping stale air, CO2 buildup in your body. So staying on that nostril, when you look at people who meditate and have dedicated their life to meditation, they're not exhaling through their mouth, okay? Everything they're doing is in and out through their nose. So when you exhale through your mouth, it's fine, but try to reestablish that nostril exhale. Use that ocean sound and always try to exhale twice as long as the length of your inhale and see if your life doesn't change unbelievably positive in two weeks and you're more relaxed and there's less triggers going off everywhere you go. I love that. Well, I got to ask another question because when I was doing boxing training, the trainer would say always in and out through your nose in the corner um, because you have more something in the nose to filter the air. I can't remember what he was saying. Yeah, more villi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, so in through the mouth or nose, or do you have a preference there? So for sure, out through the nose, uh, in, in, in could be either. Here's what I would say is when you breathe in and out through your mouth, the air is coming in unfiltered, it's unclean, it's unpurified, and goes right into the top of your lungs, which have sympathetic nerve receptors that spike cortisol adrenaline rates, trigger the amygdala, stop digestion, all the blood goes out into your muscles and bones. It's a great thing if you're fighting a bear or you're trying to get away from getting hit from a bus. But at the end of the day, Everything is running off of the suction and pressure that the nostrils are creating with the diaphragm muscle. In other words, if you're seated right here and you begin to breathe in and out through your mouth, the diaphragm stops moving vertically up and down, and you can feel your upper torso collapse onto your low back, and digestion, elimination, and assimilation will be challenged. So the subconscious will become heavy and cloudy. If you're seated right now and you're inhaling and exhaling through your nose, you can feel the diaphragm pressing down. The upper body becomes lighter. There's more space between the pubic bone and the rib cage. And these organs can get oxygen off their normal attachments so that our gut health is very, very strong. So when we're breathing through the mouth, we're triggering adrenaline and cortisol. The upper body collapses down. You're not getting the lower body mechanics. It's more of an emergency thing. It's, there's not a lot of endurance there. When you're breathing through your nose, you're in a more reflective state. You're getting the diaphragm stronger. You're amplifying the vagus nerve on the exhale. You're burning fat instead of sugar, and you're rebooting your autonomic nervous system. So if you have high levels of negative stress in your life, it's going to be almost impossible for you to fix it when you're breathing through your mouth because you're triggering cortisol and adrenaline and amygdala firing in the brain, glucose burning. If you're trying to slow down and figure out how to transcend that, that imprint is in your gut. It's in your organs. It's in your hips. It's in your glutes. So when you're breathing through your nose and exhaling longer than your inhale, you're incinerating fat stores and inflammation reduction, which is burning those old stressful subconscious imprints of things that have happened 20 years ago that have no bearing on the great person you are right now. <laughs> Ed, that's why I had you on the show. <laughs> what a brilliant answer. Well, I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, all the great work you've been doing and, and committing to, you know, just putting out a lot of great work for a long time. And, you know, you've been at this for 30 years. And I like to say on the podcast too, you know, we need to, you know, I'm sure you'll be okay with this, but uh, like honor the elders, like the people who've done it for a long time. I think the kids nowadays, they just want it right away. You've been at this part of your life 
plus all the other experience for 30 years. It takes time to develop mastery, to fail, to go through the process. And so a lot of youngins out there with a lot of piss and vinegar, but not a, not a lot of uh, life experience. And so it's okay to be at the stage you're at, right? Whether you're a white belt, right? If you're enthusiastic mm -hmm. and you want to go into painting, podcast, you start at a white belt. You start new and fresh and it's beautiful don't rush the process of mastery right. it's always a process there's always evolution and every good teacher knows they only know a little bit and they try to pass on what they've learned to help their fellow man so yeah. i just appreciate you and, and and sharing everything you have well you know everything in life is temporary except for self-love and whatever belt you are today if you love what you're doing you will transcend almost organically and naturally to that next progression. You can't stop it from occurring as long as you remain interested and you bring energy to your mind to what you're going to do. As far as me, you know, as, as my sun sets, it's really important to me to know that there's people like out there like you who are bringing the real deal as your sun rises. So I'm super excited to make that transition to you, Matt. Well, I appreciate it. Very kind words. Um, thank you so much, Ed. We're obviously going to be in touch because we're, we're kind of swimming in the same streams i don't know how they put that but uh, it's always fun i always learn a lot so thanks a lot ed have a beautiful day and, and thanks for coming right back at you buddy go be great all right take care guys thanks for watching peace peace there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Ed Harold. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the show. If you want to support, please share it as far and as wide as you can on every platform everywhere. Leave a review. Tell your friends about the show. Um, do what you can to get the word out there. Uh, also, go to mattbelair.com and join the membership by donation. They deleted my Patreon. Uh, they gave me YouTube back, but they'll probably delete it again. So find me on Telegram, t.me forward slash Matt Belair. Go to my website, get on the email list to stay connected because it really is a battle and we really need your help. I really need your help. This is a solo operation. So in any way, if you want to support the show in any capacity, please let me know. Uh, it would be great. But joining the membership. Um, also, be sure to check out our amazing sponsor, The Good Inside. If you go to the good inside.com forward slash matt m-a-t-t letter b you will get $50 off pure body extra zeolite heavy metal detox it will only cost 13 bucks and you can get that as an introduction to help start ridding your body of heavy metals in the most effective and efficient way possible uh, using zeolite that they have a lot of studies and um, yeah professional studies over there showing the power of zeolite and my good buddy over at alpha vedic dr bear paul lando uses zeolite in a lot of his stuff as well and he's the one who said yep matt it's legit you're allowed to but you're allowed to have this sponsor. So uh, it's, I'm grateful to have friends like Bear and shout out to Bear and Alpha Vedic. Anything that they make, I highly support. Go, go get, go. They have my support too. They're awesome. So uh, for those of you guys who want some coaching, uh, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. If you're looking for community, support, accountability, whatever it is, just hit me up. Be happy to learn more about you and how I can help and uh, empower you because uh, these times you really do need community. So if you're looking for that, I uh, would love to hear from you. And that's it. Let's wrap up the show by coming into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, power, connection, faith, courage, and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. 
So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.